Jesus. Tonight when I look around the room and I see certain faces and many of you, I know your journey. We've known each other a long time or a short time, but I know your journey. And so tonight it feels very humbling um, to be sharing the word with you when I know what many of you have been journeying through over years and decades. The passion that you have, your perseverance, your love, the amazing way you have handled your life with Jesus. Um, I will freely say not in a degrading way, but I feel a bit unworthy tonight to share what he's put upon my heart. But I know it's the heart of the Holy Spirit. And we are here to hear his heart tonight. I have been overwhelmed frequently by the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm always overwhelmed with the same feeling that they are the purest, highest realm of love that escapes our thoughts, our emotions, and even as far above anything we can understand in our spirit that we have not even scratched the surface of the beauty and the purity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That at times we have become so familiar with the word that it's easy for us to lose our awe or it's easy to just say this, this, and this is facts and, and lose the majesty of what's on the pages. And I, as you know, have been taken lately by the fact that he, out of his humility, has invited us to be his image. That nothing stirs him more than to birth his image through us and in us. It was the father's dream in Genesis 1 when he said, in my image be, and it was the highest prophetic word that's ever been uttered in all of ages, that Elohim, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in oneness looked upon us and, and said, here, we want to share our image with you. And Jesus comes and he prays it in John 17 after he has lived among us and seen our humanity, wept with us, laughed with us, and, and he says, oh, Father, I pray they'll be one with us and with one another, that they will carry our image and when you look closely at scripture, the entire purpose of the Holy Spirit is to release his image in us. To carry us to the heights and the depths and the widths and the breadths of his love. To carry us to a place that is far beyond our personalities that this earth has given us. He is the creator and he is all about birthing Colossians 1 says this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, 
the visible things and the invisible things. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, above all things, and has supremacy in all things. And as the creator and as the birther of all that is life, to realize he still longs, he still yearns, he still lives, he still prays that we will grasp the fullness of salvation, which leads us ultimately to being his image in the earth. He is still all about birthing his image in us and to us and through us. Often the things in the spirit mimic the things in the physical. When it comes to birthing in the physical, he prepared everything. He created a man in such a way and a woman in such a way. He created egg and sperm. He created everything within that womb. He created the synchronicity of a woman's body. He created everything to birth and we're not the birthers. We're just the vessels that in that moment step in and agree with how he's already created us. It's the same in the spirit. Peter understood that. Second Peter 1.3 says, he's given you everything, everything you need to birth godliness and to birth the life of the kingdom in you. You have everything inside of you to birth his image in the earth. And yet I will risk being a bit transparent to say I've been in the ministry for a very long time, over 45 years. And whenever in the body of Christ you, you talk about birthing, it, it just almost never fails Somebody will come up, will go, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to birth. If God would just tell me what it is, I'll birth it. But birthing is never about a what, is it? Not really. Biblically, birthing was never about a what. It was always about a who. It's always about who. Our Western civilization, we like the what's. What am I called to do? What's my calling? What's my purpose? What can I birth? And we don't realize that that's really not biblical. God never talked about birthing as a what. It was always a who. And just as in the physical, even if you birth identical twins, they're really not identical. They have different personalities. They, it's the same way in the spirit. Paul understood that. In 1 Corinthians seven seventeen, Paul is almost pleading with the church. He said, just let everybody lead the life God has assigned for them. He said, this is my rule in the church. He doesn't use that Greek format very often. But he saw even then that in the body, we can almost feel like, well, we need to do it this way. This is the way you pray. These are the steps. 
oh, I should be more like this one. Or we, we want to be homogenous. And when what he's longing for is just the opposite. I have an unshakable belief that the Father never has the same thought twice. I have an unshakable belief within me, and you don't have to agree, that when the Father looks at this earth and he is stirred with a brand new way to pour himself into this earth, a child is created. And that within every one of you is a unique DNA of the Father that's not like anybody else in this room. And you have a way to release his love that nobody else could ever do. He put something of a way to birth his image through you. He is so fast, so boundless, so majestic. No one person can carry all of him. He's not that small. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And then Jesus commented in John, he said, you know, whoever keeps my commandments, I will make my home with them. And so will the Father. But what were his commandments? He said the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love yourself and love others. In essence, he was saying the greatest thing you can ever do with your life, what you're created for, it's all about love. And yet, if we're honest, we sometimes in the body of Christ, we lose awe and we lose wonder so easily. If you're a baby believer and you're first finding out about the power of his name and the name of Jesus, you're revved inside and, and you feel such a surge when you're using his name of confidence. But most believers then lose that. Or when you're first finding out about the blood and you realize, I'm forgiven by the blood. Divine health is by the blood. My prayers are answered by the blood. His promises are by the blood. I can go into the Holy of Holies, meet with him face to face in the spirit by the blood. But then we're like, I, I got the blood. And when he calls us to love, we're like, we know. We know. And we don't mean to. You see, but there's something in our humanity that dumbs down unintentionally the greatest things of the kingdom. What is greater than the name? What is greater than the blood of the resurrected Christ? What is greater than our call to be in his image and love? We don't realize that in our humanity, we love to dance on the fringes of the boundary lines of the kingdom. We're aspects of the kingdom. We love focusing on aspects of the kingdom. This theology, this doctrine, this sign and wonder, this way to pray, this end time thing, this whatever, whatever, whatever. And we don't realize when we're focused in on that, we're actually tight-roping 
on the outer edges of the kingdom. And we're very close to falling off and being out of the kingdom. Because none of the aspects of the kingdom, though they are valid and they are true, will not root and ground you. And you're not called to be an image in those things. You're called to be in the center of the kingdom, rooted and grounded, eyes fixed upon Jesus, locked in of, I'm going to love you. I'm going to let you love me. I'm going to learn how to love me. And I'm going to love others. And I'm just going to keep growing in your love. Because if we really look at scripture, love is the key to everything. Faith grows by love. If love is the passion of your heart, his wisdom becomes yours, his revelation, his mercy, his forgiveness. And then when you look at other aspects of the kingdom that are important, I'm not diminishing any of them. You are rooted and grounded in love, and you see signs and wonders. You see end times. You see prophecy. You see theology. You see doctrine. You see whatever aspect. You see it rooted and grounded in the image of him. And you are balanced, and you actually are in position to carry a higher revelation in all the aspects of the kingdom, a higher revelation of signs and wonders and prophecy, a higher revelation about the body of Christ and everything that is kingdom because you're rooted. And you're like a little child. Jesus said, can you do two things? Pretty please? Will you pretty please just focus on two things? And out of that focus of loving, I will show you realms of the kingdom you cannot imagine. He said, everything in the law and everything of prophecy hinges upon you. Can you do two things? Can you let my image, I who am love himself, can you spend your life letting my image of love grow in you? And I will give you the truth and the fullness and the depths of the kingdom without limit. Can you love this world for me? Some of you know one of my favorite phrases is often used among some Jewish people. It says we are created to repair this world. I think that's true. I think it's true. I think we're created to release his image and repair your world. Whether it's your family, your co-workers, your children, your grandchildren. Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18, it's familiar, but I hope you hear it with new hearts. The Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord, 
we are transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to the next. Now, I know you know that. But he's saying, now the Spirit of the Lord will give you freedom. One qualifier to this whole verse, unveiled faces. He says, if you come with an unveiled face, you will behold the glory of the Lord. You will look upon him as he is in his boundless love and sovereignty and beauty. And as you behold him, the same image will rise in you from glory to glory. That it's a process. If you're not sure if you have a veiled face, here's a question that's a good litmus test. Have you grown in the way you love him, love yourself and others in the last three months? Are you different? Are you a different person than you were three months ago? It's a tough question, isn't it? If, if you're not, then with all love, honey, you, you're going around with a veiled face. Before this verse, Paul described a veil as legalism, as those who were still under the law. The shoulds, the oughts, the judgment, the shame, the guilt, the I'm not as good as, the performance. And he's saying... If your face is still veiled, if you're still hiding a part of you from the Lord with legalisms and rules and shoulds and oughts and insecurities, then there's a lot of him you won't see. And so you won't feel yourself growing in your love walk. You won't feel the image of Jesus increasing in you. You won't kind of have a sweet surprise inside to realize I'm more patient than I used to be. I'm more calm. I'm more loving. I'm more forgiving. I'm, my heart's stirred with authentic compassion. For, do you understand? And it was Paul really out of a father's love talking to the church and, and in his way going, please, 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 Church of Corinth, put away what's in your mind and put away the way you see legalism. Remove the veil. And see him as he is and you will not be who you are. You will be changed from one glory of his image to the next. 
I shared a few moments ago that quite transparently, I just have an unshakable belief that every one of us is created with such intention of the Father, such love, such intricacies in our soul and in our spirit, so that the more we unveil our faces and lay aside hurts and wounds and legalisms and insecurities, controls, whatever you want to call all those veils, that the more they're pulled off, we see him. He sees us perfectly. He has removed the veil, and it's wide open. He's just waiting for our veils to fall off so we can see him, and we can be carried by the power of his love, birthing his image in us, his love, his wisdom, his full self in us. David understood the personal touch of love. You know this psalm, 139. Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts. You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. And even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it all together, Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high for me. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together when I was in my mother's womb before I was born. I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works. My soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And all the days were written in my book, in your book for me, before I lived a one. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more than the sands. David was saying, you saw me individually. You know my whole journey. And yet here you are, the most high God, saying, I have put my image in you. I want to birth me in you. I want to walk through you. And just like birth in the physical doesn't happen in the mind or the heart, it happens in the deep places. It is true of the spirit. Birthing his image is not a thing of the mind or the heart. It happens deep within us. When Jesus was on the cross, Medical doctors say that his last stages mimicked perfectly a woman in labor. 
that his lungs would have been filled with fluid. He would have had a heavy breathing, an irregular breathing pattern. His abdominal area would have been having contractions from dehydration. His lower back would have been in spasms. And you know, when they pierced his side, the water broke. And the blood flowed. And the birth canal, so that we could all be birthed in his image, was opened. I know that what I'm saying tonight is incredibly simplistic. I know that. I'm very well aware that it is possible I haven't said one thing tonight you don't know. All I know is he just kept whispering throughout the day, please tell him again that all that matters, all that matters is are you growing in love? Are you letting my image of love be birthed in you? Everything else in the kingdom flows from that. Will you let me do two things in you? Will you let me birth this in you? It was the Father's prophetic word in Genesis 1 and the Son's prayer in John 17, and it's the entire purpose of the Holy Spirit living within you. He is there to birth the personhood of the Christ through your vessel. And to me, I don't think there's a higher honor. I don't think there's a higher thing you can ever do with your life. And in the wisdom of God, we're all on the same page. Nobody has a higher call or a lesser call. No one. We're all on the same playing field. We have all been given this humble invitation from the sovereign most high God. This is, may I birth my son and the earth through you again. Will you be love in the earth? I want to give you a moment with him. And I pray truly from my depths that in the name of Jesus, that in these next few moments, if you have veils, you would just say, please take them, Jesus. I don't want veils. I want to behold the glory of your love and I want to behold you more purely, and I want to become the image of you that I see. And I want to accept the honor of letting you birth your son in the earth through me. I pray in the next few moments, literally, the veils will fall, and his glory will appear. So feel free to Go to your quiet place with him right now.
gave me hope, you made me whole at the cross. You took my place, you showed me grace at the cross. Where you died for me And his glory appears Like the light from the sun Age to age he shines Oh, look to the sky cry, singing, holy is the Lord. You Give me hope, you made me whole at the cross. You took my place, you showed me grace at the cross where you died for me. His glory appears like the light from the sun. Age to age he shines. Oh, look to the skies. Hear the angels cry, singing There is no greater love than a man lay down his life. And yet I would say, for the most high God, there's no greater love than to say, here, I put my image in you. I trust you. Pretty please birth my son in the earth. And pretty please don't be like anybody else. And pretty please remember, there's a reason my son said, these are the two greatest commandments. There's a reason Paul said in Ephesians 3 that it's love that roots and grounds us. Comprehending the things of the kingdom. 
pray. And I agree with Jesus' prayers for every one of you. And every day for the next month, we'll be praying for you. That all veils will fall off of all of us. We will see the beauty of him. And we will be consumed in rest and allowing him to just love through us. It's what it's all about. It sounds somewhat childlike, but I believe this whole life is about one thing. How well do you love? And are we growing and loving with his heart and his power and his spirit? It's an honorable invitation he has given you tonight. May the awe and wonder and really the simplicity and the focus of your life be restful. As you follow the path of letting his love pour through you, everything else will come to you. You don't have to go searching.